Glad to have you here with us today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John 4, 10. Today we are winding up our series on reckless love. And I don't know if you've enjoyed it, but I really enjoyed it. In fact, I say this every week. I'm preaching to myself. I'd let you all listen in as I preach. But we've been talking about the issue of God's reckless love. And I've been kind of sharing throughout the series that when I first heard that term reckless love in this last song that we sang, I, I, I began to kind of wonder, okay, what does reckless mean? Well, one of the things that reckless means is careless. And unfortunately for a lot of followers of Jesus Christ, that's kind of where they get stuck or they believe about the love of God. That God's love for them is a bit careless. Meaning at one moment he's paying attention to you, he's taking care of you, watching over you, and the next moment he gets distracted by something and suddenly there's all these damaging things coming into our life. That's not what it means because God's love for us is never careless. But what it means is the second definition means it's not concerned about the consequences. And I want you to know that God is going to love you even if you don't love him. In fact, I would say this. God is going to do good towards you even if you don't understand that he's going to do good towards you. It's amazing. It's amazing to begin to understand just how unconditional, everlasting, overwhelming the love of God is. In fact, if you ever really begin to understand it, you'll begin to know because you will be so overwhelmed that God could love you that much. And the reason why God wants us to know how perfectly he loves us is because he wants us to walk in confidence in every promise that he's given us in his word. He wants us to understand that he's going to love us all the time, best times, worst times, anything we're walking through, he's going to love us unconditionally. And here's the cool thing too. When we begin to get filled with the reckless love of God, that is the thing that empowers us to give reckless love away. You want to make your marriage work? Get filled with the reckless love of God. You want to be the most popular person at work? Get filled with the reckless love of God. I'm telling you, the reckless love of God being in you will flow out of you and it will impact people's lives. And can you imagine what would begin to happen in Amarillo, Texas, if just this group here this morning, we began operating in reckless love? We began to make a choice. I don't care what other people are going to do. I'm going to love people even that are unlovable. I'm going to operate that way. Pastor Richie, that's not fair. Whoever said life was fair. My mom used to say that to me all the time because I was the most abused child in my family. My mom always loved my brothers and sisters so much more. And I would say, Mom, that's not fair. She said, who said life was fair? And listen, sometimes we don't, wanna, we don't really want to operate in fair. We want to be change agents. We want to allow, we want to be in a city that loves one another. Amen? Some of you aren't sure about that. Let me, let me show you what it means, what love really is. First John 4.10, if you have your Bibles. Y'all Bible-toting folk believe in the Word of God today? Because I'm going to be showing you a lot of Scripture. In fact, I want to encourage you to write some of these verses down so that you can remember these verses. But First John 4.10, God's about ready to define love. He says, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now that big word propitiation just means there's been an appeasement. The wrath of God is no longer towards you and I because of what Jesus Christ has done. Amazing. We could end right there and all go home. We're not going to. We're going to go on, but we could. Verse 17 says this, love has been perfected. It means it's been made complete among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, as Jesus is right now, so are we in this world. 
I'm telling you, when you begin to really understand that, that begins to get you pretty excited about what the love of God is all about. That the love of God is amazing. And sometimes we hear the love of God, the love of God, and we think, okay, we kind of get that. Let's move on. I'm telling you, we barely began to scratch the surface of how amazing the love of God is. And I pray that we'll kind of keep peeling back the layers, keep understanding really what the love of God is all about. Because here's something that I get asked from time to time. If God is such a loving God, why do bad things happen to good people? You probably wondered that yourself. You know, if God, you're so loving, then why are bad things happening to me? Well, you've got to understand that we live in a fallen world. That God's plan was not originally for there to be all of the sickness, all of the disease, all of the tragedies that God created man, placed him in a garden, provided everything that he needed for him. Everything was taken care of. There was perfect peace, perfect harmony. But then sin entered into the world. And when sin entered into the world, so did death. And that's not just talking about the physical death. It's talking about spiritual death. It's talking about things dying in our lives. So because we live in a fallen world, we are often affected by the fallen world in which we live in. Now, what we want is for God to, to give us free will, but not give it to everybody. Right? Y'all got some people in your life that you wish God would take free will away from them. You wish that they would just auto, always have a good attitude, always be a wonderful person to live with or, or work with or hang out with, and we want God to take back free will, but God's given us free will, and sometimes the will of man collides against the will of God, and there's a lot of ugly things that happen around us. But listen, we don't have to be fearful of the ugly things happen around us, that even in the midst of difficulty and challenges, God can still do extraordinary things, and you and I can walk in the favor of God. In fact, in Jeremiah 32, it's an old covenant or Old Testament um, scripture, but God's making a new covenant promise. And here's what he says, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good. Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good. So God's making an everlasting covenant. It's the new covenant to do good. How long is everlasting? Everlasting. Everlasting. It's going to go on forever. And he rejoices over you to do good. It brings joy to God to do good towards you. Now, unfortunately, a lot of us have a conditional mindset about God, and God loves us and wants to do good towards us when we're doing good. I prayed, I read my Bible, I showed up to church, I'm doing good, so now God wants to do good towards me. No, God wants to do good towards us all the time. All the time. God wants to do good towards us. In fact, God gives pleasure in doing good towards you, meaning that when you finally believe it and get it right, that's not when God's going to start doing good. He's already doing good. In fact, the Bible says this, that he causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, meaning that even if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you walk in a level of the favor of God. You walk in a level of the goodness of God. Pastor Richie, I don't believe that. Well, just stop breathing then, because that breath God gave you. Just ask your heart to stop ticking because that, that's something that God has given you. So we've got to recognize that even when we're doing good, God's doing good. But even when we're doing bad, God is still doing good. So you think it doesn't matter, Pastor Richie? Absolutely not. 
Because I'm telling you, there are a lot of ugly things that happen in our life when we live our lives contradicting the word of God and the promises of God. There is one thing that is going to limit the goodness of God from operating in our lives. It's our understanding about God or unbelief. All right? That's the only thing that's going to limit. Even if you don't believe, again, there's still going to be a level of blessing and a level of goodness that's going to be showing up in your life. But our unbelief puts a lid. It limits the goodness of God from showing up in our lives. In fact, let me show it to you. Jesus' ministry in Matthew 13 It says this, now he, talking about Jesus, did not do many mighty works. Notice that he did some, but he did not do many mighty works because of their not showing up for church on Sunday. (laughs) They stayed home and watched it on Facebook. No, because of their unbelief. It's our unbelief that limits God from operating in our lives, from doing mighty works. So what we've got to do is we've got to make a choice, and that's exactly what it is. Sometimes your feelings are going to lead you there. Sometimes they'll lead you away. But we've got to make a choice to believe in the goodness of God, to put our hope in God, to put our hope in his goodness and in in God's desire to do us good. God desires to do us good. In fact, let me show you an example. Matthew chapter 9. And when he had come into the house, again, this is talking about Jesus, The blind men came to him and said, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Let me ask you, do you believe that God is able to do everything that he's promised in his word? Let me ask you this, do you think that he's willing to do whatever he he promised us in his word? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and says, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Notice it's not according to their behavior, but according to your faith, let it be done to you. So what does faith mean? Again, Hebrews 11, most of us know this scripture. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It means faith faith is I've got hope in something before I see that something showing up in my life. I need healing. My faith is in healing before I see healing show up. I need a financial breakthrough. My faith is in the financial breakthrough before the financial breakthrough shows up. So we have to open up our heart to the fact that God loves us and that he is, when when we do that, we become filled with hope and hope in God will not disappoint. All right? Romans chapter five. Y'all with me still? Laying some groundwork here, so keep, stay with me if you would. Romans chapter five, verse one says, therefore, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is talking about when we come to know Christ, that we are justified, declared righteous by faith. When you accepted Christ into your life, you may have cried like a baby. You know what? You may have not felt anything at all. It doesn't matter. It's by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse is going to go on to explain even the the more fullness of all this. The more fullness? I think that's pretty close. I think y'all are picking up what I'm laying down. Through whom, talking about Jesus, we also have access by faith into this grace, into the favor. So it's through Jesus we have access by faith into this favor in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You and I today, we stand on favored ground. Let me say that again, because I don't think some of y'all heard me. You and I stand on favored ground. Listen, 
can I just real quick, quick side note, encourage you to engage with the word of God? You know, I, I watch when we ask you to worship, say, hey, why don't you just lift up your hands? And some of you go, I don't think so. Y'all are trying to trick me. Listen, what we're trying to do, we're just trying to teach how to engage with the promises of God. So listen, let me say it one more time. You and I stand on favored ground today. Amen. Amen. And notice this grace or favor is accessed by faith through Jesus Christ. Y'all aren't mad at me, are you? Okay, good. All right. And it isn't having faith in his existence. All right? The devils believe that. But it's having faith in the essence of who he is. In faith in that he is a good God who loves to do good things in the lives of his children. That he desires to do good. He has a track record of doing good. And he's going to continue to do good. But, and this is important, it's according to your faith. Are y'all beginning to see how much faith plays a role in the life of a believer? How important it is for us to really understand this? Do you believe in God's goodness? Let me ask you again. Do you believe in God's goodness in the difficult times? Because that really is the biggest challenge to our faith, isn't it? When we're going through difficult times. In fact, that's why verses 3 and 4 continue and say this. And not only that, after we've talked about having access into the favor of God, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Now, there are some verses in the Bible that I wish God didn't put in there. We glory in tribulations knowing that, and watch this, tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now notice the order that a trouble, a tribulation comes into my life and it develops in me perseverance. Because what we want to do when difficult times come is quit. We want to get out of the relationship. We want to get out of serving God. We want to get out of the financial commitment that we made to serving God. We want to get out when tribulation comes. But tribulation develops perseverance. The ability to go that I can make it. I can make it. And perseverance develops character. The character really gets rooted in the character of God that I'm not, it's no longer going to be based on how I feel. It's going to be based on the godly character being downloaded inside of me. And it's that character that actually produces hope, a confident expectation of good. Because see, a lot of times we have hope when we see the, see the thing happening, but that's actually not hope at all. That's just seeing the reality of the goodness of God. But hope happens when a confident expectation of good is, I can't see it right now, but God, your word says it, so I'm believing your word. And the tribulation produced the perseverance, the ability to work through it, which developed the character, which developed the ability for hope to show up in my life. Are you all catching this today? So the function of trouble in your life, catch this, is to bring you to a place where you are expecting good things to happen even in the midst of trouble. After a while, because you've developed the character, a problem comes and you go, is that all you got, enemy? I got, I got this. I got the character for this. So hope, I have a confident expectation of God doing in my life what his word says. So when is hope exercised? In the midst of trouble. I wish it wasn't. I wish that we could all take the little blue pill, right? Is that the right color? I'm a little hesitant to talk about pills too much. We could take a little pill and suddenly we would have hope and character in us. 
Wouldn't that be awesome? We'd just take it and go, man, I got it now. I got hope. I can always walk in hope. No, you know how hope comes in our life? Is when in the middle of a tribulation, a challenge to our healing, a challenge to our financial breakthrough, we just say, God, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to trust your word. And pretty soon that begins to develop character in our life. And suddenly we can get our hope out there no matter what's going on in our life. We can have hope for our marriage to be well. We can have hope for our bodies to be healed. We can have hope for our emotions to get well. But it happens through the tribulation. It's the thing that comes into our life. It develops the perseverance. Perseverance develops the character. And character develops the hope. Catch this out. The the problems in King David's life. Y'all remember King David in the Old Testament? Probably one of Israel's greatest kings. The, The problems in King David's life... Goliath, a nine-foot giant whom he killed, made him famous and put him on a pathway to the throne. There are some of you that God is ready to get you to the next level. He's ready to get you to something else, but you're going through a tribulation and you're not persevering. You got to persevere because look at this, the problems in King David's life, the lion and the bear prepared him for the day of battle with Goliath, knowing that his God was watching over him. He didn't immediately go from where he was at to fighting Goliath. I'm sure he started off with a sheepdog that was a little unruly. Little sheepdog yapping at him all the time, and he had to say, get, put him over. I said in the first service that he killed him, but he didn't kill the sheepdog, all right? Got him, Brianna? Okay, so he puts the sheepdog away. Then all of a sudden, a lion and a bear come and attack him. Now he's ready for the lion and bear. He attacks the lion and bear and gets that sheep away from him. I don't think he killed them either, Peter. So anyway... Actually, maybe he did. So finally, we get to the final stage, and now he's facing Goliath. Do you all remember the story? All the armies of Israel are freaking out. A nine-foot Goliath, giant, behemoth man is taunting the children of Israel. What's David say? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Did he just step into that moment? Absolutely not. There was a process that happened in his life. There was some tribulation that came. Probably his brother's picking on him since he was the youngest one. And he learned how to persevere. It developed character and then it developed hope. Then he began to fight the sheepdog. Got some perseverance. Had some character. Had some hope. Then he had the lion. Then he had the bear. Finally, Goliath. There are some of you that God wants to move you into huge things in your life, but you're going to have to learn how to persevere. You know, I wish that muscles were developed by laying in a hammock. How many of you discovered that does not happen? I wish it was, but you know what? You're going to have to put some stress on some things. You're going to have to put some tribulation through some things where you're going to have to work out and you're going to have to say, I don't know, Daniel, if I can keep doing this. You've got, to, you've got to learn how to persevere through the tribulation because it develops, the, the, the perseverance develops the character and character develops the hope. Yeah. A confident expectation of good. See, trouble in our lives, it only makes us stronger. I think sometimes when I talk about the blessed life, from time to time we get so confused that the blessed life is I'm just going to show up and a million dollars is going to fall into my lap. And suddenly I'm going to get promoted, and I didn't even try at work. In fact, I was late all the time, and yet I got promoted. Listen, you're going to have to learn how to persevere through some stuff. You're going to have to learn how to press through some things to allow God to do some great things in your life. Listen, sometimes we look at people that, that are financially prosperous or people that are in positions of leadership, and we're like, man, they're just an overnight success. Most of them aren't. 
Most of them persevered through a lot of things. Because God loves us so much, he won't give us more than we can handle. And I'm telling you, for little King David, if he'd started out just fighting Goliath, he would have been running too. But he learned how to persevere through things, and God took him to where he wanted to go. So troubles in our life only make us stronger. We can learn how to feed off of our troubles. We can start troubling our trouble. We really, really can. In fact, this is what happened with the children of Israel. They spent, sent the spies into the land to spy out the promised land. Y'all remember this story? Two of the 12 spies believed the promises of God, but, but 10 of them didn't. In fact, this is in the book of Numbers. 10 of the spies came back with a bad report. They came back and said, man, there's giants in the land. Look, we can't go in and possess land. I know God said we could, right? Now, it's easy for us to look at that and go, what is wrong with those guys? God told them that they were going to have the promised land, right? You realize God's given you promises in his word, and it's very easy for us to start speaking, no, I can't be healed. No, I can't be a success. Look at my family. Look what's happening in my life all the time. I can't because of this, right? So 10 of the spies came back with a bad report, but Joshua and Caleb, they had a different spirit about them. In fact, in Numbers 14, it says this, if the Lord delights in us, Now, I want you to know that's a rhetorical question because they already knew that he did. Then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Notice it's a rebellion against the Lord when we don't believe his promises. Nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Y'all pick this up. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So 10 of the spies said, we can't, we can't go up and take the land. The giants are going to devour us. Joshua and Caleb said, we will devour them. They are our bread. The 10 spies who denied the word of the Lord died in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb lived long in the promised land that God had given them. We've got to understand this morning that our problems are bread for us to make you strong to develop you. And I want to say this especially to young people because we live in a generation where you can get everything instantly. And there are a lot of things that come real easy. There used to be a time when you have to look in a thing called a phone book to find numbers. And when you called somebody, you didn't push one button and it went to them. You had to roll the dial and watch it go all the way back around. And then you had to roll it again and watch it go all the way back around. And sometimes because it took so long, you'd get lost. Okay, which number was I on? And you'd have to keep dialing like that. There was a time when things weren't quite as easy. Listen, I'm not putting down this generation. I'm thankful. But listen, sometimes it's easy for us to forget that we have to learn how to persevere. We have to learn how to go through difficulties, how to go through challenges in our life so that we can walk in the fullness of everything that God has for us. Your problems are bred for you to make you strong. Traffic lights, bad drivers, Delays, people not in your life not responding the way that you want them to respond. Don't get frustrated, feed on it. Listen, all the irritabilities of life can stress you out. That's why the word of God says that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's just this little problem here, little problem here, we're feeding on it, feeding on it, and suddenly we're allowing it to feed on us instead of us feeding on it. Listen, before the major stress comes in your life, small stresses will eat away at you. We've got to learn how to feed on it. In fact, I believe that the feeding on the stresses of our life is the key to long life and health. 
Why do you think that? Let me, let, me, let me show this to you. One of the names for giants in the Old Testament was Anak, but another one is Rapham. And Rapha, the, the meaning for healing is actually a root word of Rapham. So when we learn to feed on our giants, that's the thing that brings health into our life. So when trouble comes our way, feed on the trouble instead of allowing your troubles to feed on you. You realize you're in charge of you. I know some of you think your spouse is, but you're actually in charge of you, all right? Why not in the middle of your situation that is beyond your control, why not recognize that the situation that you're going through is making you stronger? Rejoice about it. If you don't feed on the stresses of life and allow the stresses of life to feed on you, then they, they will end up making you bitter instead of better. I know most of us would love to live stress-free lives. I talked about this totally free from all the stresses in life. But if you want to live a long and healthy life, develop a rhythm of life and learn to feed on your problems. In fact, let me just say a quick side note on that. There are many of you that don't have margin in your life. That you think, if I've got some waking time, I can be doing something else. God did not design you and I to be going 90 miles an hour 100% of the time right? He designed you and I to be at rest at times. And sometimes, y'all remember books? And, and they used to have little margins on either side. Now, I say that because I do iBooks, so I do everything electronically. But they used to have little margins on the side. And a lot of times, we're writing out in the margins of our life. And we're bringing stress into our lives rather than really finding the proper rhythm of life. We got to make sure that we're rested. When you begin to feel anxious and worried, listen, you don't have to have 17 jobs to try to keep up with the Joneses. We got to find the the rhythm of life, but we've got to learn how to feed on the problems in our life. The giants' problems and tribulations, they're bread for us. They're bread for us. And God gave us an example with Caleb. When Caleb was 40 years old, um, he said, These giants are bread for us. 45 years later, he's now 85. He's saying, I'm as strong today as I was 45 years ago. In fact, when he entered into the promised land, you know what Joshua said? Give me the mountain. You know what the mountain was filled with? More giants. Why? Because he knew that they were bread for him. They were the thing that was going to make him stronger. That's why our verse today, Romans 5, 3, says that we glory in tribulations. Most of us just kind of endure tribulations. Right? We get the Eeyore mindset all the time. all the time, right? We sort of kind of moan our way through them, but once you get the revelations that when troubles come, if you'll feed on them, they'll make you stronger. And what will happen in your life is you won't be afraid when problems come. A lot of times we're afraid when a problem comes because we're afraid of what the end result is going to be. In fact, we get get worried. Well, actually, as Christians, we get concerned, right? And we begin to think of all the things that might possibly happen, and we've chased down every scenario. In fact, I tell people this all the time. Listen, worry works. Because 95% of the things that you worry about never happen. So just keep worrying. Actually, I'm just kidding. It doesn't work. Because most of the things aren't going to happen, but we get all stressed out about it. And listen, if, if it is going to be not the result that we want, we're still going to go through it. God's going to get us to the other side. We've got to rest in him. All right, so once we get a revelation that when your troubles come, they will make you stronger, we're not going to be afraid of trouble anymore. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. And here's the reason why. For when I am weak, 
then I am strong. See, when we rejoice in the middle of trouble, the power of Christ rests on us. Because we understand the thing we're going through, we're going through. We're going to get out of this. We're going to get to the other side. Now, I'm not saying that God gives us difficulties, but I'm saying that he will take the difficulties and he's going to use the difficulties to make us stronger. Can you show me that in the word of God? I'm glad you asked. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this. And we know that some of the things that we go through... All right, let me try that again. Y'all are doing good today. And we know that all things work together. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, we have a tendency to think that when I'm living perfectly right and loving God, then God's going to work all things through me. No. Listen, because we have received Christ and love God, He's going to work out all things together for our good because we're called according to his purpose. All things, good things, bad things, delays, unexpected hardships, things not working out the way that we had wanted to, which, is, by the way, is the main reason why we give up on God because we put faith in God answering our prayer the way we want it answered more than just being in his goodness. But if we know that he's God and we're not, we can rest in him and we can trust him. Listen, when you know that you belong to God, when you know that God loves you with a reckless love and has made an everlasting covenant to do you good, you know that all things in your life are there for your good. As a child of God, we have this promise that all things work together for our good. Some of the things, no, all of the things work together for our good. Listen, The ten spies saw the giants in the land said they'll devour us. They got a grasshopper mindset. They didn't recognize who their God was and who they were in Christ Jesus. Joshua and Caleb, they had a different mindset, and they lived long in the promised land. Listen, I know some of you know that you're in a wilderness in some areas of your life right now. There's some things that you are going through. You've got to understand that you're going through it, that God has a promised land for you, but you're going to have to believe the promises of God and not the giants or the obstacles that you're dealing with. So I'm here today to tell you that you can expect good things to happen to you simply because of the goodness of God. God does good things to those whom he loves. So again, our verse, Romans 5, 3, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So what is hope? It's a positive expectation of good. Before I see the good show up, I've got a positive expectation of good. See, some of you are not even aware of the character that's been developed in you. You've just kind of been growing slowly and you don't really hardly recognize it. But if you'll stop for just a moment and think about something that might come against you today that a year ago would have devastated you. Today you're like, really, seriously, devil, is that all you got? And it's because character is developed in you. But what happens is we go to the next level. And at the next level, there's a new devil. There really is. And so what we have a tendency to want to do is, God, I don't want to go to the next level. I want to stay here. Listen, we don't want to live beneath our privileges as children of God. Now today, if you were just arguing with your brother and suddenly you're facing a Goliath, that would be a challenge. But I'm just telling you that God is taking you through a process where he's allowing allowing things to come into our life that's developing perseverance in you. Because that perseverance is developing character. 
And that character is allowing you to place your hope in the goodness of God, to trust Him. So there's some troubles that used to trouble you that you have to start now troubling your trouble. And what character is doing you is it's creating hope. There's a positive expectation that something good is going to happen. I want to declare today that when trouble comes, we're going to feed on it. So we're going to make a choice as a, as a congregation, as a people. Just say, you know what, we're going to learn how to feed on the trouble. Because what it's meant to do is it's meant to feed us. It's meant to develop us. It's meant to build us into everything that God's created us to be. You feed on the fact that God has made an everlasting covenant to do you good. And remember that God has brought you through. It's going to change everything that you walk through in your life. So the Bible says, and I want to close with this, we glory in tribulation. That word glory means that we boast. We boast about it. We begin telling the devil that he doesn't have anything for us. And what I believe is one of the best opportunities for the world to see the reckless love of God in us is when they see us walking through a challenge in our life and they see us persevering and they see the character that's being developed and they see our hope in the goodness of God. That we actually believe in what we're talking about when we talk about the goodness of God. The the last year of my life has been probably one of the biggest challenging years of my life. It's been one of those things that just a lot of things going on, a lot of things happening to me um, internally, but just some things going on around me. And when I began walking through this, one of the things I asked God, I began saying, God, what's going on? God, can you just get me out of this? God, can you just, please stop it. God, can you just fix this? God, can you just change this? And God began to tell me, Richie, I'm about ready to take you to another level. I'm about ready to take you to something bigger than where you're currently at, but I've got to develop some things in you. Because you see, God loves us so much that he has to develop some character in us to be able to handle the next level that we're going to. And so as I've just walked through this, I've had to recognize, God, I'm going to trust you. God, my hope is in you. God, my confidence is in you. It's not in how I feel. It's not in how I feel about myself, how I feel about my situation. God, my confidence is in you. And I'm telling you, as I've learned to rest in him and trust in him, it didn't instantly just everything go away, but I'm developing a resolve in my heart that I'm not going to live according to how I feel. I'm not going to live according to my circumstances. I'm not going to live according to what I see God answering in a way that I want him to answer. I'm learning to have real Bible hope, confident expectation of good. That I am going to see God do miracles in my life. I'm going to see God do breakthrough in my life. And I'm telling you, for every one of us, child of God, there's so much more that God wants us to walk in. There's so much more that God has for every one of us. And too often we are living way beneath our privileges as children of God. I was talking with a couple on Wednesday night. And they were just telling me a real simple story about their son had told, told the mom, hey, I'll start your car for you if you want me to. She goes, okay, thanks. It was one of those cold mornings. So he grabbed her keys and went, started her car for her. She went, what'd you do? He goes, I just started your car. She goes, no, you didn't. She goes, he goes, yes, I did. I just started your car. And so he showed him, you just push this little button and then hold this button down and your car starts. She's had the car for two years and didn't know that happened. And here's my point. Listen, 
There's so much more that God wants us to walk in. You've got remote start in your life. You really do. You've got so many amazing things that God wants us to walk in. But what we do is we just kind of settle. We get, we get fearful. We get, we get beat down by the tribulation. And I want you to know, listen, if you're going to try to do this on your own, you are going to struggle big time. But if you get around a group of friends that can encourage you, in fact, in just a few weeks, we're going to start sm- signing up for our small groups. You've got to get around a group of fo- fellow Christians and, and believers so that when you're going through a dark time and you want to quit because the tribulation feels so overwhelming that you don't know if you can make it, somebody's going to speak words of life into you and they're going to encourage you. They're going to tell you, look, you can make this. I walked through the same thing. I dealt with that. I've walked through it. God's going to bring supernaturally people into your life that are going to help you not to quit in the middle of the tribulation. And you're going to persevere simply because someone said, you can make it. You can make it. You can do this. And what you're going to discover is there's going to grow some character in your life. And suddenly you're going to actually have Bible hope. You're going to put your hope and trust in God. And I'm telling you today, it's the most amazing thing in the world to understand the reckless love of God. That he's going to love you. He's going to do good towards you all the time. We just have to simply choose to believe, to receive every promise that God has for us.